Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. So uh, today we're going to talk about recognizing the day of your visitation. How to recognize the day of your visitation. There was a a great speech that Jesus gave lamenting um, how the nation of Israel did not recognize the day of their visitation. So we're going to talk about what that is and what it entails. Is it relevant for us today? Is there still a day of visitation of the Lord? Did that end there or, you know, where is it and how did it happen? You look at the scripture, you'll see that visitation by God was talked about throughout scripture. In fact, the Bible talks about some of the laws of offerings and sacrifices being established so that people would prepare themselves for visitations from God. Remember the Lord would tell them, sanctify yourself for tomorrow I'm going to show up. Uh, So days of visitation are always foretold. They are prophetically foretold. Amos says, Amos 3.7, God will do nothing except he reveals the secret to his servants, the prophets. Not that prophets are so special people, but they are endowed with revelation gifts. So they have the equipment to receive information from God. There is a mandate also for them to declare what they see by the unction of God's spirit. So if we look at the day of visitation for Israel as the day when Jesus was born and, and his earthly life really was considered the day of visitation. It's not just one day, but it's a period of time. They had roughly 33 years to recognize who he was. Over 300 prophecies talked about the Messiah. So it was no no misunderstanding where he would be born, what his job would be, what he would look like, what foretold his death, his resurrection, all of those things. Everything about Jesus was foretold throughout the history of Israel. So the day of visitation of God is something that is known. It's not a shock. Even though the Bible says that it will come to some like a thief in the night, others will be prepared. So we have a sense here that it's a known thing, a known happening, or known information But there may be some people who won't take it as seriously as others. Some won't receive it at all. Some won't be interested in whether or not God's going to come back. Any of that, you know, it, it will pass some people by. But it doesn't have to pass you by. You can know the time of visitation. You could recognize the day of your visitation in God. So the word visitation actually comes from the Greek word. It's the same word that's used for bishop or the office of bishop. Yes. The day of visitation really talks about, it means uh, oversight. So the, the sense here is a visitation really is a time of divine oversight. 
in one's life or divine oversight over a people or divine oversight in one's life. The Greek word is episkope, E-P-I-S-K-O-P-E. <clears throat> the word, uh, the prefix epi means to superimpose upon. So the essence here, the understanding is that life can be going on as usual. And on top of this is superimposed a divine visitation. You got it? So normal life doesn't really just stop. And therein is the problem. Because we can be distracted by normal life and miss the divine oversight because it just comes and superimposes itself on top of that. And you have to be alert and understanding and looking for the visitation in order to recognize it. Understand this, that the enemy knows what he needs to do to distract you and keep you focused on life as usual. It can come, <clears throat> day of visitation can come on top of a season of blessing in your life or a season of trial, testing in your life. Both events have the power to distract you from recognizing what God is doing in your life or recognizing a divine uh, uh, timing of visitation where it, it's God just comes in and on top of difficulty superimposes his oversight, his blessing. It also means to be inspected. So here the visitation will come sometimes with a sense of conviction, a sense to have people repent. There's a sense that God's presence is near. And so you feel, you know, kind of stripped like, geez, God, <laughs> what do you want? You know, that kind of, you can have that reaction as well. But it's an inspection for relief. So God inspects you to relieve you of something, something burdensome. He might relieve you of something you enjoy. Look at Abraham when he had to give up Isaac. You know, he thought Ishmael, giving up Ishmael was hard. You know, Ishmael came with certain drawbacks, like his mama and her drama. You got me? But Isaac was the promised. You know, you think once you get the blessing in the house, man, it's easy, you know, smooth sailing. You know, all I got to do is be faithful over the blessing. And one day God says, go kill it. You know, it's over for you in the blessing. So it can come with inspection for relief, to relieve you of something. God wants so much to disconnect us from the affairs of everyday life, if you only knew. And then we get more dug in sometimes, the more he's trying to relieve us, visitate on us and tell us, okay, I've got this, I'm taking care of this for you. Can you just empty your hands and do something for me for a change? 
I'm serious. You know, I mean, what do you think he's coming here for? You already have the word. You already have your salvation. You already have all of these things. So God is relieving us from the burdens and the cares of this life in order to introduce us to a higher life. It's always going to be a higher realm for you to live in. Some of us don't even want to live the realm, leave the realm we're in even though we don't like it and we're drowning there. You know, we just get so earthbound sometimes. We get stuck on this and stuck on that. And Oh, God, just don't take this the last thing. If you take this away from me, I said, shoop. You need to have yourself relieved of it. So he comes with divine oversight to inspect us, to see what we're involved in, see what he can relieve us of so that we can come up higher. Visitation also means to look out for. A bishop looks out for you. He looks out for you. An overseer is looking out for your total life. So you have to understand that that is the work of God. He is always watching over us. Visitation means that God does come closer to us. The Bible described Jesus as the bishop of our souls. The chief bishop over our souls. So he is overseeing our life for good. To relieve us. To help us. Bring us closer. When the visitation comes, he comes to impact our lives with this divine oversight. Which means that during visitation of God, there is more intense focus on him. The focus is more on God than it is on what you are going to get out of the process. It's totally different from your normal routine life. When we talk about the past revivals of the church, these were times of visitation of God. And you really didn't see people trying to figure out when they would get a bill paid and what they were going to do when they got home and all of this. They were told, you know, God's visiting us. You need to be here as much as possible. And they just continued. If you got hungry, you brought a lunch the next time. You went to sleep on the floor of the meeting place or whatever. But you stayed there because you didn't want to miss. This was an unusual occurrence. And you did not want to miss anything that God was doing in this. There are times of visitation where God may be dealing with you specifically to answer prayers that have gone forth. There are this, for instance, if you if you had an uh, incurable disease, and God says, "Well, I want you to shut everything down." And spend time with me in the word. You don't sit there and watch the clock to see what time you can go watch television. Or when you can go do something else. You shut everything down until the visitation's over. You see. You give him the time that he needs 
to straighten you out. Now, everybody's soul will wander a bit, but you let your soul wander, but then there's the hunger to continue the visitation because you got a sense that if I don't do this now, it's never going to happen for me. And so we have to understand that when this divine oversight comes, we have to stay focused on him who is making the visit and not on making sure the visit doesn't take up too much of our time. See, this is this is the difference between really making it and making sure that that you're prepared for everything and just having a little God snack, you know, having a religious thing that, that we always do and 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 go off empty handed. So you if you look back you might see there are many times where God was visiting us and wanting to help us, but we stayed in a, a foul mood. You know about something that well, when, how why is it taking so long? I'm not you know you don't know what happened to me and we complain through the visitation. And nobody likes to go visit a complainer. Trust me, any of y'all like that? You come in somebody's house and from the time you walk in to the time you walk out, they're trying to tell you. You know that's just this just so uh, typical. You know, I think about us being the bride of Christ, and I can remember times when my husband would come home, and if I I learned not to say anything to him negative when he walked in the door, he said he said I really don't want to hear that. He said you realize that I've had a bad day too, and it's not all about what your day was, you know. And so I learned how to. And I think about that when in our relationship with the Lord. Do we greet him with worship? Do we greet him with praise? Or do we just go on and on and on with our list of what we ain't got and what we need? See? It's a difference between being a, a bride. It's like Esther. She didn't just, you know, walk in there and telling it, well, you just don't know, honey. I just, he won't say <laughs> The last one that had your job, I fired her for the very same thing you're doing right here is running your mouth. Hmm? It's the truth. She waited for him, even though she was that was her husband, he was still in the office of the king. She waited for him to extend that scepter to her before she even could speak. It's a good lesson, folks. It's a good lesson. Nobody wants to be your personal garbage dump. You just unload all of your your bad stuff on them. Sometimes people like to be appreciated. So in the time of visitation is a time to focus on him and appreciate him. He will take care of your stuff. In fact, many times visitations, God will let you know he's been trying to take care of your stuff. You won't let it go. See, see this thing, inspection for the purpose of relieving us of something that's burdensome to us. You know, these are visitation times where God wants to deal with us and help to relieve us of all of the layers of of, uh, hurt and things of that nature and disappointment all of those things he wants to lift from us he bore our pains 
carried our sorrows. He wants to make that real to us. So in times of visitation of the Lord, those are the times that you open up to him and let him have whatever it is that he came for. Because this is an important divine uh, inspection that's coming. Why does he want to do this for us? Because he's a redeemer. He promised to redeem us from all curse. All traces of the world he wants taken off of us. He doesn't want a worldly bride. I remember when I, you know, you you know when you're married because you you start dressing different than you did when you were dating. Uh, that same man that thought you were so cute, you know, when you look like that. Now that you're married, he didn't want everybody else looking at you like that. So he say, "You better go put some clothes on." <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> and so this is the difference. He wants to adorn us. In a particular way. So he he has a vision of what his bride looks like from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So you better say yes to the dress. You ain't getting another one. You, you don't have a closet full of dresses you can try on. And you get one dress. You better say yes to it. Because he's coming to relieve us from the world's adornments and put on what he has designed for us what we look best in Uh, so the lord knows what we need how we need to have it uh, applied in our lives he knows everything and he's coming for those things in the day of visitation we have to be so mindful of him you know like Mary who you know there was a time to feed people I'm sure she did her bit in the kitchen you know but Martha that's all she could think about was you know feeding folk and making sure they got fed and that's important because other than that you might have to pull out the revolver get them brothers out your house you know what I'm talking about where's our food Mary you supposed to be feeding everybody you know she get tired of that so, you know, she just stuck with the routine. But there was a time of visitation of God where she wasn't cognizant and recognizing that Jesus was speaking. He was saying that he wouldn't be with them long. So this is the time to dig in and get everything this man's got because he's not going to be here forever. Same thing we need to understand about visitations of God in our lives. God sometimes will visit us through other vessels. This is very important to understand in the church. He may not come in in a whirlwind or, or, you know, with cloven tongues of fire like he did on the day of Pentecost. He may come uh, with skin on. And you need to dig in and grab everything that he's, he's serving at that setting because you, he doesn't put these things off. He wants you to recognize how important it is to know that he's God and to treat him as such. So you don't treat him like the 6 o'clock news where you can go turn it off and hear it again some other time. These visitations are very important. So it's important to dig in, get everything you can get there because it will not come back around again. Rare is it is the person that understands everything from beginning to end and knows how to plow in, sow everything into that, get everything out of that. 
during that season of visitation so that they come out with what God has for them. No, I, I see people miss, you know, I'm good at understanding these things now. And I I do feel for people who just can't recognize it. They just keep their minds focused on the carnal so much. You know, it's all about them most of the time. That's why they can't recognize <clears throat> when God is visiting on them. And so, you know, you miss it and it won't come back around again. You know, some relationships are one time. You know, just like marriage. You know, if you're married to somebody and you abuse a relationship, when they get sick of you, they stay sick of you for a long time. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? If you, people get tired of being taken advantage of and not appreciated. And so, you know, when, when people wear out, they're just worn out. And you're not going to get another one running in there real quick so you can do the same thing again. You know, not from God. And so we have to recognize these things and stay attentive to what God is doing in these relationships while they are here. Sometimes people look back and and recognize, you know, families who feud a lot. Somebody dies suddenly and, oh, I wish I had known. Well, you did know. You knew it wasn't right to, to be feuding. You know, you knew it was better to be at peace with people. Uh, so now, you know, the devil will visit people with guilt about these things, you know. and Hard for them to now look at life in a positive vein because of their selfishness. So the one thing that will rob you of attentiveness to God is selfishness. Being absorbed with you. Being absorbed with what you want, what you you know, I got a prophecy, and I'm supposed to be doing this, and I'm so you'll never do it if you don't recognize what God wants you to do and when. Days of visitation test our appropriateness. How appropriate are we in responding to certain things at certain times? We'll test that. It's not always time for you to assert who you are. But humility and wisdom will go a long way and discretion will keep you. So it's a good time to to be discreet and stay attentive and stay humble to God. So that this doesn't pass you by. You'll receive what God has for you in these times of visitation. So, days of visitation, we said, are prophetically announced. They are foretold to us. In Luke 1, we see a a good example of that. Mark. Luke chapter 1. This is Zechariah speaking. We know that Zacharias has been already received word from God that he and his wife are going to have a son who will be the forerunner for the Messiah who is about to be born. Mary finds out that she will be expecting and she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth who is also expecting. So here we have God visiting a family. And bringing uh, key people for his kingdom through one family. 
This is a good thing because <clears throat> they can help each other, encourage each other, pray for one another. Apparently this is a family that took God seriously, a devout family. And so you can expect God to trust people who are trustworthy. So if you're a person who is a devout person, you've been looking for God or somebody who uh, understands now that God is on the horizon. You can prepare yourself, get yourself more attentive to what God is doing. And so <clears throat> John the Baptist then is finally born. We know that his dad, Zacharias, has been struck dumb from the time he heard that he would be having this boy uh, to curb his unbelief. God will do whatever he needs to do to keep you in line with his will. Write that down because people yet don't believe this kind of stuff. You know, they think, that, well, that's for them people and he don't do that no more. God's the same. You know, he will do whatever he needs to do to keep you in line with his will. I'll say it again. He's a sovereign God. He's not playing with people. And if he needs to get something done in the earth, see, you can be a strong link or you can be a weak one. But if you're a link, you're a link. You got me? Now you can play weak if you want to. But he knows how to strengthen every link in the chain so the chain don't fall apart. See, we like him being dealing with, with weak humanity when we can get a blessing. But when we have to bring ourselves under divine discipline until it's time for God to deliver, then we don't like it so much. But it works both ways. This door swings both ways. So God then brings the weak under divine constraint so they don't blow it. He'll do whatever he needs to do to not blow what he's got planned on the earth. The day you get born again, it, it's over for you. You know, people think they have all this freedom to do this and freedom to do that. Some of you are in a testing situation now. You know, we're all in testing situations all the time. Sometimes you don't know how crucial it is. Sometimes you, you make up your mind, well, I'm not going to take a job that takes my weekends. You might have to pass up six, seven, eight, nine, ten, huh? Just to keep your word. You think, well, what is this for, man? I mean, come on now, you know. But this you're under constraint to keep your word to God. It's just that simple. Whatever it takes for you to keep your word, that's what you got to do to keep your word. Because you will never know what it will produce until you obey that thing. You don't want to just be the first. Well, I couldn't do it because I always got excuses and quit. You'll never see the end of the journey if, if that's your M.O. And so God wants us to be people of integrity. And that's why he will put us under divine restraint. You see it all the time. God had restrained her from bearing children. Divine restraint. Why? For his purpose. For his glory. Huh? I don't know why you want to know. Ask him why. You got me? But it's for his glory. 
and for his purpose. And so that's what we're scared of. We're scared God's going to answer us if we ask, <laughs> ask the right question. We might get an answer. And then we really get, really, oh, I got a headache now, God. Ouch, God, you, you answered me. I, I, huh? Get all debilitated and stuff. Got to go to bed for three days. Listen to some hymns and stuff to get yourself straight. They had no business asking them. You know, just live by faith like I do. I don't ask him why a whole lot of stuff. Gives me a royal headache. Oh, man. Why'd I? Woo. Ouch. Huh? <laughs> so, Zacharias, he's under divine restraint. And the angel tells him why. He says, because you didn't believe. No, well, God wouldn't say nothing to hurt your feelings. Uh, hurt your feelings, bury them, kill them, huh? All of the above. He wants you to live out of your spirit, not your flesh. So here we see now John the Baptist is born. That's in Luke uh, one fifty seven. Says her neighbors and cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. It came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Now, his father could not speak even when he was born. Well, God, I don't see why that was necessary. I mean, come on, this is a big event. Yeah, right. He's going to get another one too. He's going to have a lot of big events. It's important for us to realize that divine constraint helps us to respond appropriately to everything God is doing. Now when I say appropriately, I mean I don't mean you can't be happy that your baby is born after all these years or you can't rejoice or any of that stuff but there's an appropriate God response in a situation that must be maintained throughout so whatever reason God had for not loosing his tongue when this boy was born that's between him and God but at the appropriate time God released his tongue for this so it says here <clears throat> they on the eighth day they came to circumcise him. They called him Zacharias after the name of his father. It's people around you don't hear from God. You got it? And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. This is what God told him to call him. So they argue with her. Here we go again, minding the things of the world. You got me? Here this woman has this boy supernaturally in her old age. Huh? We don't have no test tubes back then. We don't have no medical help. We got nothing except God. So God blesses them with a child in their old age. So they want to honor his father by calling him Zacharias. Worldly things. He says, it's none of your kindred that are called by that name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. So they start asking Zacharias, your wife is out of order over here. And we're trying to straighten her out. Huh? 
And he asked for a writing table and wrote saying his name is John. And they all marveled. After he settles the argument about the child's name. Then God opens his mouth. You got me? After everything is set. John set for life. Then he allows the dead to speak. Not before, but after. There are some things that God must see us perform first before divine restraint is ever loosened. Some things have to be performed before he can release us from the test. Loose us from the restraint. Why can't I have this God? Why you let other people have it and I can't have it? Why can other people do this, God? Well, I don't know if God's letting them do it or not. They just Some people just do stuff. You got me? They just do it because they, they have no unction or mandate to do anything else. But if you're conflicted somewhere in your heart and in your mind about certain things, then you have to let God settle these things for you, and then he will release the restraint off of you. So there must have been some conflict somewhere in Zechariah's. That had to be restrained until God could get the seed into the earth, get it born. You know, not being able to talk will make you pay attention to a lot of things you didn't pay attention to before. You you try going through a period of time where you don't speak much or, you, you know, God just doesn't have you. It's, you know, a quiet time in your life. And see if you're not more attentive to everything else that's going on. You know, some people in times of fasting or prayer and devotion to things that, you know, they they feel insulted by certain things that are just normal life. You know, they're not bad and they're not wrong, but they just don't fit in with where they're at, spiritually speaking. And so I'm sure Zacharias had much time to contemplate, to think, to let God speak to him. To get revelation from God. To get understanding from God. These things are necessary. And they're not accomplished if you're engaged heavily in everyday life. See, Even though those things must be taken care of, sometimes you can let them go and get God to direct you in how to take care of them more efficiently now. Now that he has your attention. So this visitation really comes to Zacharias long before his son is born. He's been on a nine-month visitation of God because he's been shut down from the world. He's been shut off from communicating with them. So then God is stirring something on the inside of him for this visitation. So you can say that visitation is prepared for and God knows how to hem you in to prepare you for it. He knows how to shut everything down. So that you can be poised and ready for what it is that he wants you to do. And God wanted very much for John to get into the earth at the right time, the right way, the right attitude from the parents, the right understanding of what he was called to do. This is important to God, folks. All of this is important. It's important because of the place that John had in history, in the history of the church, 
He's a gift to the world, to the earth, not just to the family. So God had to take all of this happy, happy out of the family situation to get people to recognize that this child was set apart to be used by God. So he had to do whatever he had to do. I know a lot of times parents say, well, I want my kid to be used by God. But it's just a thought, a passing thought. You know, they don't do anything to teach the child the right thing. No discipline, you know, just, just a wish. But God then wants to go beyond that. You know, beyond. I can remember uh, a, a woman that uh, uh, her son had wound up being a minister and had a, a good church, you know, a, a, a pretty active church and a pretty large church. And she, he would have her come up sometimes. It was his mother. She would come up and, and share her testimony. And she said, well, I just, when I, he was born, I just thought so much. You know, I love God so much. I said, well, God, could you please use my boy? You know, just use him to preach for you. If you would just bless me that way. I would love for you to use him as a preacher. But she was also a pastor's wife. And they taught him the word. Took him to church. Made sure he stayed on. I mean, there's a lot to that. You know, you don't just dedicate something and then take it back and get real goofy over it, you know. And you don't call him the next Michael Jackson or anything like that. If you dedicated him to the Lord, you know, keep it dedicated. Now, you don't how many preacher's kids do you know going sing in the world? It's a lot of them. So it's, you know, they might be dedicated. And then they wonder why their life is so messed up. Because here over here, your words are, say, you told God, take them. And then you let them go over Braxton family values. You got me? Huh? You should preacher's kids, folks. Them parents are pastors. Tony Braxton's been bankrupt two or three times. She's sick, got some kind of, you know, you don't. I mean, it, to me, it looks real obvious, but to people who are living like that, they don't see any difference. You know, you know, well, you know, we can serve God or we don't have to, that kind of thing. But my thing is don't play with God. And if he wants something serious done, he knows how to get serious people and he knows how to make them more serious. You got me? Zacharias is already the high priest. I mean, how much higher you want to go? A high priest that don't blab too much is even higher. You got me? Even a high priest can, can improve. You know what I'm saying? And so God visits his family because of their lifestyle, because of their devotion to him, because they've, they're sold out to him. He visits because he's visited before. He's making a return visit to them and, and tr- entrusting to them the future of the world. You never know what's entrusted to you. I don't take any of it lightly, and I don't encourage other people to. You know, if you say you're going to do something for God, do it. If you're going to just play around, go someplace else. So God knows how to separate out the doers from the just talkers. And so he said, none of your relatives are made that way. He said, call him John. And everybody marveled, verse 64, and his mouth was opened immediately. 
See, when he accomplished what God wanted him to do, his mouth was open. Had he accomplished it when John was born? Absolutely not. He had to follow through on everything God had spoken about this child. See to it that it was done. So that was accomplished. He even had to have him the circumcision. All that's very important. Very important. And the naming of that child. So everything that was prophesied to him about John was accomplished. And then his mouth was open. His tongue was loose. And he spoke. And I guess what the first thing he did was what? I bet you better believe it. Hmm? You've been walking around trying to learn sign language for nine months and not knowing how long you were going to be like that. Huh? You'd be praising God too. It says, And fear came on all that dwelt about them, and all those sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. So <clears throat> here we have visitation beginning on the nation of Israel. It begins with a visit, angelic visitation. Where there are many of them. Many of them. Lone visitations sometimes are not God unless that person understands and knows what's happening. And it's a personal thing. So you can have a personal lone visitation. But visitations of God that are earth changing often come in multiple Settings to different people. You know, when God's announcing something, it goes to his servants, the prophets, and often these announcements are repeated in other places. They're repeated elsewhere so that it's not some private interpretation. You know, cults get started that way. That's how the Mormons got started. Good Christian people, but had a private interpretation, a special visitation from an angel announcing some nonsense and so this is how cults get started all the time earth changing ones tend always to be confirmed and get confirmed through several vessels often several people many times in diverse quarters get the same message and then those messages converge in the mouth of two or three witnesses verse 66 and all they that heard heard them laid them up in their hearts saying what manner of child shall this be and that's what God wanted that's the reaction God wants you got me for it to be known and see, as as others hear about this visitation, they have something now to watch in anticipation of God doing something great because of all these uh, supernatural visitations that are happening over this family. Now everybody's watching John to see how he's going to turn out. Many times you'll see people in a, a congregation. They'll know certain kids that have been prophesied, have prophecies over them, and they will watch. And that watching can be a good thing because if they are prayerful people, some people watch, you know, there's watching and there's watching. Spiritual watchers will tend to 
keep that person close to God. Understand that they're watching to when they say, what kind of child is this going to be? Well, it depends on your prayers. You see, it depends on how you treat them, how you look at them. When they start to fall, do you try and pick them up or do you write them off? I say, we thought so. See, And so this is, this is how watching happens. Some people, and this is how peop, some people benefit from visitation and some people are on the outside of it. It's best to stay on the inside. Have God's heart about things. So they were wondering, what manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Verse 67, his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has has visited. How has he visited? Well, he's visited, number one, in bringing forth two babies that are going to be key in the nation of Israel. So whenever, and you have to understand that from the time of uh, Malachi until now, which I think was something like 500 years, and no prophet's been raised up. So really, the the fact that Zechariah, that the temple was still functioning and there was a functioning priesthood is almost a miracle in itself. Because oftentimes the prophets were leaders over the priesthood. So here you have a priesthood functioning just automatically on itself. Religion had taken over, we know that, because of the, the, the different religious sects that the nation of Israel had broken down into. So now we had denominationalism and sectarianism. Religion takes over because there was no true godly visitation of leadership for the people. So here he says God has visited and redeemed his people. Jesus isn't even born yet. And have raised up a horn of salvation for us in, in, in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Now how did he come by all of this information? Well, you know, you can get a lot of wisdom from God if you keep your mouth shut long enough. Huh? I mean, whatever God needs to do to get his word in the earth, folks, he'll do. Hmm? Uh, don't be afraid of the doings of God, but but yield to them when they come. See, be a person who's devout and devoted and open and willing. See, you know, don't don't sit around and just wait, want something from God, and if you don't get it, you're mad. You know, you've got to grow up here and recognize who you're dealing with. <laughs> That's what I say. You better know him, as the old folk would say. He says, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, 
shall be called the prophet of the highest. For you shall go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. It's a big job. Big job. See, there are times when God is preparing us and getting us into a season of maturity over things where they're not such a big deal anymore. I mean, I can see that very clearly here. You know, when when you're young and all the rest of your 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 young friends are are having their children and you're all having children oh let's take them to the kitty park let's take them to the this park and that park and and then the couple who you know well we haven't had any yet you know they just go off to themselves if you can go off and stay with god by the time they're on their kids are on drugs and on cops and all this quick going to church all that other stuff you're just having yours and all the fun's gone out of it and the stupidity's gone out of it, maybe you can focus in on parenting and being a good parent and not keeping up with the Joneses and not trying to make sure that you have yours with theirs because you want them to grow up together. And all. You know how people get goofy with, with holy things. You know what I'm saying? So I would say that Zacharias and Elizabeth have long since passed the stage of the you know of the uh uh play dates and the parties and let's take them all to the kitty park and let's take them all to Disney World and all this kind of stuff and they are focused on the God purpose for this life which there is a God purpose for every life that comes into the earth but most people never recognize it Because even people who come to church are too busy to sit down and teach their kids a few scriptures so they can memorize them when they're small children and have some connection to God. They'll they'll pay good money for them to get tutors, for them to get this and get that on an academic, and they go in church and play all day long. Common. Common. Very few people recognize the God purpose in a life. And then they'll come up in a Christian church and be stupid enough to say, well, I don't want to push God on them. And there's pushers out there pushing other things on them. See, if they're in church, you don't have to push God anything. They just receive it if you take it seriously and, and teach them to be serious with it. So here Zacharias and Elizabeth are just about old enough to take parenting seriously. That's the way I look at it. They're just old enough. Well stricken in age but just old enough to take it seriously. To find the God purpose in that life. And many times we're, we're wanting to be like everybody else to take away that reproach of being different. Huh? If you're different because of God, there's no reproach there. There's honor there. You know, if you'll see it as an honorable thing the way God does. So this child then begins to grow as the prophet of the highest. So he's to go before the Lord and prepare his ways. 
give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sin. I mean, this stuff was so new. You know, you, you, knew, you knew God through offerings and sacrifices. Your sins were never forgiven. You know, repentance, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you, you thought you were forgiven, but if you didn't show up with a sacrifice, you know, come on now. And he says, <clears throat> through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high has, uh-huh, he knows he's in the earth, see. All God needs to do is get somebody in the earth to cooperate with him. And he'll take it from there. You know, once once he gets gets the kid into the earth, he can take it over from there. He knows what to do. And he says to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew. And grew strong in spirit. And was in the deserts till the day of his showing to Israel. Now how many parents could put up with that? You've got a kid, a little kid that's going out and staying for nights and, and weeks. I mean you know the joy of parenting has gone. It must be a long time ago for these people. For God to bless them in their old age. They've got to stay focused on the, this belongs to God I can't get upset if I'm upset I got to talk to God about this this child of ours seems to want to spend days and weeks and months at a time off by himself we've got to understand and have peace with God that there's nothing wrong here that this is normal you got me and stay focused on the God side of things rather than the now you can ask yourself is it worth it hmm is it worth it all this sacrifice all this you know we didn't get to be parents when we were young we didn't get to be parents and you know we didn't take our kids to disney world we stayed and prayed and he was gone most of the time was it where yes it's worth it you don't ever question if it's worth it huh you don't ever question it because you know on the inside of you that god's up to something important much more important than you than that child, than anything. God is up to something important. And when he's up to something important, it is well worth it. Many people don't know what life consists of. Hmm? Jesus asked us that. In life, more than what you're going to eat, drink, wear. Huh? Who's got the cutest kids? Did they make it on toddlers and tiaras? Or, you know, did they... Huh? I mean, if you see some of the foolishness that that people think children are for in the world, hmm? seriously. Well, we've been involved with pageants. Hmm? Some parents think they're just gonna dress their kids up and have them parade around all their lives. You know, parent pageant moms. And we got skate moms, and we got soccer moms, and we got all these kinds of things. Got me? So life consists of more than that. Sometimes life consists of children who can be dedicated to God, and the parents follow through on it and not interfere with it and start to distract that child from what God has them do. Got to know how to get your instruction from God in these things. So 
that time that Zacharias had in seclusion to the Lord, when he was being visited upon, allowed him to see everything that God had prepared for this child. Now at their old age, they probably thought that the the gift of being parents had passed them by. But God. Well, God ever promised you something, he still has promised it to you. You got me? And so God will not pass you up forever. But you have to consider it an honor if God gets involved in visitation in your life and wants to use your child for something extraordinary. The call of God has always been a holy calling. It's something that's peculiar between you and God and you have to understand and accept it. Uh, You can't keep fighting everything because you don't know what the end of it is going to be. Oftentimes we find we have to submit to the things of God whether we want to or not. Because there's something much more important than you have an understanding of. These parents had no clue that what they were doing would affect the world in the way that it did forever. Throughout the the existence of the world, this story is going to be told. Or they were just ordinary people like you and me that got an extraordinary gift from God late in life. Their child grew up to be a minister and from that they don't know. But you just don't know what eternal value these things will will have and, and what God can do. You can dedicate your children to the Lord at any age. God grab them. Get them. You know, sometimes we settle for so little. When God wants to do the extraordinary out of somebody who's just willing, you see. God can grab them and talk to them and get them prepared to minister. And many people like that. Uh, uh, Diana Liptak, her children were adults before they heard the gospel. And, and when her son, she said the, the son that seemed to be the most angry at her for sharing Christ now is her pastor. He's been pastoring for more than 25 years. So it's never too late. I mean, you know, you see that they're not where they need to be in God. You start praying. And and shut your mouth about anything negative about them or, or anything positive that's not of God. You got me? Sometimes we do settle for so little. You know, sometimes if your children have a, you value education, hey, we all do. But you better value eternal life more. You know, sometimes if they have a good job, you, you just kind of level out there because that pride wants to start taking over as the most important thing. But you got to look underneath. Say, God, is this all there is for them? If this isn't it, tell me what there is and let me pray for it. Let me get them over to where they're devoted to you so that there's no, no harm or, or injury can come to them and they can uh, produce seed that will last forever, eternal seed. You want your children to preach the gospel. You want them to be soul winners. Well, some people do. One person does. Two people do. But you're not done praying for them until they're winning souls for God. Come on now. Everything else is just an excuse. And so you, you, the latter generation is to be greater. You know, 
and and oftentimes at an earlier age if that's possible let them get a head start on you so that they can know god and and have a full life in god you know be believers produce the fruit of believers so here they they have all these things now set in motion they know what john's called to do so the visitation further visitation is being announced so we see it started with one visitation Zacharias in the temple visited by an angel was told that he was going to have a son and what to call him and all that stuff and then from that seed that was put in him more seed came out through this prophecy that talks about John the Baptist and his relationship with the Messiah the day spring on high who has visited us and so then Jesus is born <clears throat> and we see surrounding him many visitations visitations from the world visitations among God's people visitations uh, among authority figures in the world one child having this type of an impact on so many dimensions of life why because he is lord of the world he is king of the world and so his coming has to be noticed and foretold to all that would be concerned about it. So all of the kings and all of the, the um, uh, important people, the astrologers would have to know. People in the church world would have to know because Jesus' coming affects every area of human existence on the earth. Shepherds were foretold. Humble people, everyday working people knew that Jesus was coming into the earth. Kings knew. Religious people knew. Mm-hmm. Zechariah was represented the the nation of Israel and the priesthood at that time. And so he the message first came to those people because Jesus was sent to them. The Bible says he was sent to his own but his own received him not. So everybody had to know of his coming. And somebody credible in all quarters had to foretell of his coming. So after these events, it started to be whispered everywhere about Jesus and about John the Baptist. And so people began to watch and see how they grew. As they grew into adulthood, I'm sure many of the people who watched from the beginning quit watching. This is a problem with knowing the day of your visitation. We can all get excited and watch for a season, but the people who know God continue to watch. We know that some people were watching because when Jesus was dedicated in the temple, there were two people there who had held on to understanding who this child was and where he would be. Out of all these people that knew about Jesus and John the Baptist throughout their life, they say here when when John was dedicated it was noised abroad and everybody wondered what kind of child this was well people only wonder about things for a short season the attention span so short they start oh that John well you know they say he just stays out in the desert he's a crazy man huh he did that boy he didn't turn out right he just got something got into him and he just went he just you know he just lives out there and he just is strange huh then there are some who hold on to the word of the Lord. 
well he's going his his time isn't come yet he's gonna he's gonna do what God wants him to do you know we remember when he was born and all the things that happened and eh, you want to be that kind of person that holds on to the word of the Lord and if John's crazy we're gonna pray for God to straighten him out because I know what was said about him when he was born and we need somebody here who's gonna carry that out and so your desire and your faith and your understanding of spiritual visitation that very much comes into play and is very more very important in making sure you don't miss it you let them other crazy people miss it but you don't miss it everybody thinks John's done for you don't because you know how big God is you know if God needs to come visit him again he'll do that because I remember when God visited there was an uproar about everything around here you know elderly women was having babies and you know when men that preached shut up and everything was just upside down because God was here to do something big and we remember how big it was and it's going to get bigger yet because God's faithful he promised to to uh, save us from our enemies and from the hands of those that hate us that's the devil in case you don't know it it's not your neighbor it's not the pastor it's not the church it's not church people it's the devil that hates you and he's come to save you from the hand of the devil no a lot of things can can go on in life but God's still for us. He's never against us. He is still our Savior. He is our friend. We're his friend. And so that relationship can never be broken. You know, the devil wants to try and break it, but it cannot be broken. It can't be broken. There's a place in all of us that can be touched to turn the love of God back on again. doesn't have to stay locked up it can be turned right back on again so that's what we're looking for so the shepherds were told about the coming of the Lord Jesus is born and immediately has to be rescued from the enemies of the world or enemies of God's people Jesus was dedicated in the temple and we know that there were certain people devout people who were waiting for his coming. In Luke 2 and 22. says so when the days of her purification. According to the law of Moses were accomplished. They brought him to Jerusalem. Speaking of Jesus. To present him to the Lord. And it is, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb. Shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice. According to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves. Or two young pigeons. Now you know. <clears throat> I just believe. That. People now. If you're believers. You can claim those things. You know. It's like the firstborn was always dedicated. To the Lord. You know, Especially a firstborn male. Are you making the sacrifice so God will notice that you mean business with him? See, this is, this is, I mean, this, God honors his word. His word above his, his name. You got me? And so many times people say, well, well, he's the firstborn and God's got him. Did you offer a sacrifice? What are you willing to put on the line that's going to cost you something to make that effective? 
Just a thought. Sometimes it's being devoted to teaching them the word, even though they don't want to want to memorize some scriptures. Uh, like my mother used to sit there with, we'd sit there with our books, and she'd keep a, a little switch. So we got distracted and started wanting to talk and other stuff. She's, and you got your mind right back on that book again. It's amazing how, you know, nowadays they give kids pills and put alphabets behind their name and stuff instead of my mother used to switch we didn't our attention didn't deficit at all honey you paid you snapped to attention real quick and after a while all you had to do was know the switch was there and you you kept focused got that homework done you didn't bring bad grades and you didn't cause trouble at school was meant business. So there went the ADD real quick. To sure cure. <laughs> so they went to offer sacrifice according to that which is said in the law, law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That's verse 24. Now, just as an aside, we have been taught oftentimes by faith, quote, prosperity ministers that Jesus was wealthy. No, the kings brought him gold and all that kind of stuff, so he was wealthy. But it says right here, this sacrifice were for people of poor means. So where they had the money, why are they lying with the sacrifice? See, somebody's lying somewhere. They're either not rich, because Jesus didn't take that money from the world, I mean, he owned everything. Why would he take? And why would he take and keep? And if he did take and keep, it sure wasn't enough to elevate them financially because here they're making the appropriate sacrifice according to the law. They weren't lawbreakers. You got me? Of course, you may want them to be rich so that you can justify your Wanting to have all material things. But the Bible clearly says that for our, our, um, for us he was made rich. I mean he was made poor so that we could be made rich. See whatever he walked in this earth doing he was laying up more for us. See? Now you can be rich but don't lie about the scriptures. If that's your choice and you've chosen to to have riches, you don't have to try and justify it by trying to make Jesus rich too. Verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same was just and devout. See, just and devout people. Pays. It pays to pray twice a week. It pays to come to church and be serious about serving God. It pays. He was just and devout and he waited for the consolation of Israel. You know, sometimes God will keep you alive just so you could see certain things that you've been wanting to see. You want long life. You better stay hooked up to God. I mean, always has it, God, can I see so and so and such and such before I die? <laughs> 
and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God told him that personally. You got me? He didn't have to get that as a consensus or several other people or you know all of that god spoke that to his heart just just was something god between him and god and he came by the spirit he didn't have to have a bunch of people tell him anything god brought him there at the right time it was in the right place it's good to be divinely appointed for things you know that sometimes you can miss stuff listening to people But if you live a relationship with God and you listen to God, you won't miss anything. He said, when the parents brought in the child Jesus for to do after him the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. So it got their attention. So here they're having a visitation of the Spirit. Things that are important for you to have in your heart, you have to stay attentive to God to tell you. You know, when most babies are born, most people will say, well, he's so cute and he looks like so-and-so. You need somebody to tell you what God says about. It's much more important. Because half the people look at your baby and lie. Huh? Then when they go home, they say, ooh, girl, toe up from the flow up. That baby don't look like nobody. Oh, it's the truth. You know how people lie. Mess your head all up, you know. He's, I used to tell uh, Jackie had babies, they all looked exactly alike. And I said, well, why do you buy pictures every time? I said, well, just get them copied and pass out them. I said, they all look alike. We'll put them right beside each other. You can't eat me. You switch them around. Which one is that? doesn't matter <laughs> they're all about the same size had the same they all came out looking like that little fierce look on them kung fu fighting they're <laughs> fighting the little babies when they come here <laughs> they be mad wake me up oh boy but you know how people go on and on you know you don't take that anywhere what you want to take somewhere is what God says about them Hold on to what God says. Fight over it. Thank God for it. You know, pray and, and God, you know, keep them in that place. And you know, oh, devil, you don't get this one. You don't get nothing I got. You leave this one alone. It's just, you know, God's seed. So, so you do these things because you have a word from the Lord concerning them. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against yes a sword shall pierce through your own soul also 
that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So there's a price to pay for revelation. There's a price. There's a piercing of your soul and your heart to bring revelation from God into the earth. Huh? It ain't cheap, baby. Now he spoke that to Mary specifically. Why? Because Joseph would not be alive at that time. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband. Well, she was a widow from from like uh, seven years after she was married. She was widowed. Widowed about 84 years old. And she did not depart from the temple. But serve God with fastings and prayer day and night. So here's another devout person. This is not people who are looking for the next revival and just dropping in to see what it's all about. These are not visitation people. These are people who stay in the presence of God expecting God to visit upon them for however long he wants to be with them. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise also to the Lord. Can you imagine just walking in the temple at a certain time and being there at the right time? Because you're so in tune with God. And spoke to him. She coming in that instant gave thanks likewise to the Lord. And spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in Israel. So she was really an evangelist to the coming of the Lord. See, she knew the Messiah was being born. She knew he was going to come. So she began to do her own little preaching ministry right there in the religious place. And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Same thing about John the Baptist. That growing strong in spirit, folks, that's something parents have very much to do with. Make sure your children are spiritually strong. They don't need the latest important clothes or designer clothes to put on or make sure they got a driver's license at 16 or, you know, they got their own car. This, This stuff is so unimportant. It's pathetic. Get them strong in their spirit. And he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So... These visitations have a tendency to mushroom into other visitations. You see how one can birth others. They can be very important visitations. There's a pattern to it. Number one, sincere and devout people. People who like to play in the world and visit God sometimes you he can't he's he doesn't have their attention he'd like to i guess but god can save by many or by few he knows who's sincere he knows who lives right he knows who's holy he knows who he can trust he knows how far he can trust you if he can't trust you all the way he'll shut your mouth he'll put a restraint on you he wants people's attention more than he wants your offering more than he wants your labor more than he wants anything he wants our attention so that he can impart to us what he needs to impart and we can be changed we can be equipped and we can be outfitted 
all the other stuff is important. But when it's time for visitation, he knows how to shut all that stuff down. Knows how to shut it down. Yeah, it's important for us to do our work of the church and all that stuff that we do. But when